Do we have any new blinders here tonight? Let's try it again. Any new blinders here tonight? There you go. I'm a Newfoundlander, born and bred, and I'll be one till I die. I'm proud to be an islander, here's a reason why. I'm free as the wind and the waves that wash the sand. There's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland. I spent some time in New York State and I nearly lost my mind. This city life's too fast for me, nobody has the time. Cement and steel and flashing lights was all that I could see. It may be good for New York State. What a tune right there. I'm ashamed to say right now that I've never been to Newfoundland. After this interview that we just did, or I wouldn't even call it an interview, after this, you know, this podcast that we just did with Terry Ryan. Uh, myself and dudes, we just let Terry go as he should, as the Newfoundlander, as the the professional storyteller that he is. Um, you know, we we don't want to interrupt him and and let him, uh, you know, and and take him off course. So you know, this podcast we did, I feel like it's a reward for all the hard work we've been putting in these past three years. To be honest, me and dude sat back and just listened to the stories that were coming out of this guy's mouth. Uh, he he's played everywhere, all around the world, drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Met some amazing people in the game of hockey, and it all comes back home to when he tells these stories and, and the people who he's met and the, the adventures that he's been on. It's just incredible. We were fortunate enough to get him for an hour, but you know I, I could sit down for 10 hours and listen to this guy talk. You, you just never get bored of him. So uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast. The audio was a little rocky at some times on our end, like when myself and dudes were speaking, but... Terry, the guy that he is, the professional storyteller that he is, like I just said, has had his own microphone, had his own setup. The guy was a pro, more than us. So his audio is fine. That's all you really need to care about. Our audio is good too. It's just a little echoey in the background, but nonetheless, you know this. You know, just just enjoy. You know, you got an hour, an hour of entertainment right now. So we hope you enjoy. This is the High Button Podcast. I'm Justin. Dudes was there. We were talking to the legend Terry Ryan. Here we go. You know what comes next. Oh yeah, I'm ready to go. How many? What Watch. number of coffee is that for you today? Truthfully, truthfully, my fourth. It's a lot of it's boredom, and I'm I'm in here. I just it's it's an ice storm over here today too, right? So I, I can't even leave. Usually, you know, you don't even think about the exercise that you do. So it's crazy uh, it, to I'm think I'm you tired. can't go for coffee. It's it's <laughs> just unreal. But I I get more tired lounging around, man. I literally am. Just, I have one every morning anyway. It's habitual, but this is to keep me awake. Uh, Terry, first of all, thank you very much for joining the podcast. St. John's Newfoundland Zone, the unofficial mayor, if you ask me. Uh, Terry, Ryan, thank you very much. No problem. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, I was like self-isolation going in the, in the city right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> like everywhere else, and – I'm an active guy, but I didn't re- realize it till now. A lot of my work, A, I mean, we're, we're all going to, outside of the financial negativity, for lack of a better word, that we're all going to have to uh, go through to some degree or another. Outside of that, a lot of my work was being um, either on stage or even, even senior hockey or getting fans, but, you know, public speaking or stand-up comedy, whatever it might be, acting, you know, I always seem to be feeding off 
a crowd of people. <laughs> so I didn't think about that part of it, but you know, cause I mean, everybody's going to go and have some sort of adjustments to make to actually go to work and be around people. But I was actually usually performing in front of people. So I was feeding off that human energy and it, that's not there. Yeah. The, I'm not asking you to cry me a river. I'm just saying certain things that you realize when you go into something like this, that you really didn't know about yourself. Yeah, that's fair. Everyone's trying to deal with it right now. No, no one really knows what to do. Just grind through it. That's it. All we can do. Do you think that feeding off the energy uh, came from playing hockey or was that something that you just always liked even as like a younger, younger kid? I think it came from definitely playing hockey and, and having to put myself on stage. I'm an only child and, you know, growing up and then, you know, third overall in the Western League draft. And, and before that, I was real big peewee. We, we, I scored a lot of goals. We won the All-Newfoundland 16 to nothing kind of thing the year before I left. So it was, um, you know, I, I had to kind of, I, I was, point being, I, I, get in, I started to get interviewed a lot, and, and I had to come out of this shell. I, you wouldn't know it now, I know, but I was an only child, and I lived in a part of Mount Pearl. Mount Pearl's not big. But when you're a kid and you're relying on walking or, or riding your bike, I lived in the part that, the older part, not, not, none of, not virtually none of my friends lived within a walk of where I lived. So I guess I was alone a lot, and I had to come out of that somehow, and that came out. At school, I would fight. I would, I would, I would fight bullies, though. I, I would almost, it, it was weird. It, it, you know, I don't know if that was to get attention and feel it was justified if I fought someone that deserved it. I really don't know, but I know that as I got older, it became an attribute in hockey, I guess, you know, when you got a team. I think having, no, I think having being an only child, my, my teammates became my brothers kind of thing. Yes. And then, you know, when you're speaking up on behalf of the team and you become a captain or assistant, you, you just automatically start feeding off energy. You know, whether you score a goal or get in a fight, again, even in senior hockey, in front of a fan base, um, there's, there's something to that at. You know, you'd have to go deep. You'd have to ask my shrink, but is it, is it, is it ego? Maybe some of it, but, you know, you, you, everybody to some degree, I think every athlete has to have some level of ego to be able to overcome that level of competition or, or, or at least succeed in that level of competition. So, yeah, I think it's something that came with the territory. And I, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't want to do a lot of it at first. I didn't want to do stand-up comedy. I literally did not want to do it at all. Jerry D., is a friend of mine and, and offered me to open up for him and said, you know, he literally said, tell one of those stories from your book. So a lot of it I had to like, it's, it's like if you're scared of heights and you had to go on a roller coaster, like, you know, as, as you get the choices as you're strapping in, but while you're on the tracks going up, there's no choice anymore. You're on the roller coaster. Exactly. That's the way I looked at it. Like Jerry D's going to ask me to do something like that. I'm, I can't possibly say no because the anxiety of living that with that forever and not knowing what would have happened would have killed me. So, Things like that. So I, I guess my, my, the situations I find myself in, I've chosen a path that you have to feed off the energy. I want to go back to what you just said about uh, being an only child. And, you know, when you grow up with siblings, that's pretty much where you learn how to fight and how to scrap. Who was the guy or, or girl, whatever, that, uh, that, that taught you how to go? Was it your, your dad? Was it? Who was it? Well, my dad coached the junior hockey team. So, it, you know, and I was on the ice with them a lot. I, you know, I wasn't an all-star star at first. It was... I didn't even really love the rank, but going around, my dad was coaching the junior team from like about six to 10. And then at eight or nine, 10 years old, I had these, you know, these guys around me that could drop their gloves and get in a fight. And 
my dad being the, my dad is a total team guy and, and that's how he judges almost every athlete to be honest so his team was full of those kind of guys and he would always you know go look at Patty O'Keefe look at Steve Dunn you know that's the way I want you to act you know and it was always and these guys were salt of the earth kind of guys that were leaders and that's just two there, there was all kinds of examples as the years went by but I was I was always hanging around the junior and then he coached the senior team the senior hockey team okay so yeah, and, I, you know, I happened to go to a school in Mount Pearl, Mary Queen of the World. Like, none of – there, there's four or five schools, junior highs in Mount Pearl. And um, mine had virtually nobody on the Mount Pearl Blades, the All-Star team. It was a really weird kind of thing. I, I don't know if that's the way it is now, but I went to Mary Queen of the World. And like my buddies at St. Peter's, there was four classes of 30 people – there was like 15 hockey players that played for the blades in each, you know, class. It was just everybody, everything seemed to be going on. And I, I went to that school and I'd skipped a grade and a lot of people in my school failed a grade. So I was in, I was, I was as big as a lot of player or people in my class. What do you mean they failed a grade? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to knock the school, but yeah, at the time, at the time there was probably 10 people out of 30 in my class that failed. Oh, failed. I mean, they, they got, so they were a year older than the, so, like, when I was in grade, grade nine, say, yeah. I was 13, and there was people 15, but I was their size. So, that came in. I, I didn't always look for the fights. They presented themselves. Me being on, you know, the prep guy, wear my fire name, my chip and pepper shirt, with my deck shoes, <laughs> my blades jacket on, you know what I mean? And I go into class. One guy just came, Frank Reese, he, came, he just came right over during, during religion class, religion class. So, while we're in there, and, yes, you're asking? School, when I went, was separated denominationally. We took religion as a subject. I wasn't in Catholic school, per se. It's just that if you were Catholic here and you were Protestant, you had to go to two separate schools. You could live right next to each other. It wasn't zoned. I know. Really, really <laughs> odd. Newfoundland <laughs> went like that up until the late 90s. So, anyway, we were in this class. But let's just say I was doing – it was math class. For Oh, boy. Yeah, let's just say. But I, I remember <laughs> distinctly him coming over. And uh, he just like, rested his uh, chin on his hand and put his elbow on my desk and said, I don't like you. <laughs> and I, and I, I didn't know. I, I was just kind of staring at me. He belted me in the face. Blood went everywhere. This was like during school. So, yeah, man. Yeah. And there was crazier things than that. A couple of guys the year before and when I was in grade eight, um, we went over. There, there's a grocery store Sobeys across the street from Mary Queen of the World. There's a, there's a couple little side stores. There's a movie theater and there's uh, an arcade and stuff. So we would go over there at lunch. And one, this, so this was grade eight and we went over at lunch. Uh, and I remember my buddy Paul Carey and Mike Byrne. We were sitting there. We ordered like our hot dog combo, whatever we we're going to have. And a couple of guys, I don't want to mention their names now. I would, but oh, come on. Maybe, maybe they turned over a new leaf though. I don't want to get them in trouble, but no, they they robbed. So they were they were un they they were unloading a coke truck into Sobeys, and we were kind of looking at the back. And the boys robbed it and got about twenty minutes out the highway. That we were in grade eight. They robbed <laughs> semi. Yes. So well, you you're in grade eight. So that means someone was driving the getaway car. Then, as far as I can take it. Well, they the boys just jumped in as they were unloading it and, and drove away. So oh, a, they yeah, took they the knew, truck. They knew how to drive it. Yeah, they drove the truck. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. My school okay. was filled with. Now, look, I knocked around with some guys that were a bit hard, but okay, if there was a hard school in Mount Pearl, being like rough around the edges, 
school of hard knocks. It was definitely my school. I don't want to say, you know, and this is 30 years later, 30. So I do, but yes, Mary queen of the world then without getting my tongue tied here and, and put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, it was rough around the edges. So, and I was just this big kid that was scoring all these goals that had newspaper articles about him. You know, he's going to go away somewhere. He might play in the NHL, you know, and, I'm, and I dressed like really preppy. You know, I was just trying to fit in. Like, I, yeah, it, it was just, it was a mess. All that, it was just all a mess, all a mess. And then I went to Cornell BC at 14. And that was arguably worse because I went out there at first and there was no globalization of the internet. I went out at 14 and my first year Bantam, I'd never thrown a hit here. Again, I was big, I was big as juniors. I was six foot 185, say. And I started playing junior and like, you know, and then and guys had been laid, they were drinking, they were smoking dope. They were, they were fighting They were, And I'd never done any of that. So, you know, a lot of people look at my demeanor now. I think they think I was always kind of confident or whatever, but I just, you know, I, I wear cowboy boots. Yeah, people like that now. Back then, they thought I was a total idiot. Who's this fool? <laughs> Don't, I, I swear to you. I swear to you. I, I went through a, a long stage of being socially awkward, and it's, mm -hmm. hard to, it's hard not to be when you're rated so high. I didn't just – when I went – like, I, I'm not trying to be cocky. I didn't think growing up. I swear. I've, I, I was really humble about it. I, I never thought – like, playing the NHL would have been – no way. Like, I can't believe that might happen. But around me, you know, people were saying that. Mm -hmm. So, I'd be, you, know, you know, I get drafted third overall in the Western League. Um, you know, I went to Quebec Pee Wee Tournament. I was rated number one. So, and what I'm saying is that when that's happening around you, a lot of people either love you or hate you. And they see you, they paint a brush before you even, before you even meet them. And that was going on, too. And it was all hard to take. And then I went out to Quinell. I had a way worse accent than this. <laughs> You know, back then I had zits all over my face. You know, I didn't ever, I, I barely got, you know, I, I touched like two nipples in my life. Both really, your own? Yeah, yeah. It was just awkward. It was just awkward. Going into the bar, there's a story out there when you were younger that you used to put facial hair on your hair to get in. Well, what I would true? do, what I would do, that's, that's close. People talk, I'm, I'm glad the story is still getting talked about. <laughs> no, what I would do, again, I was big in Peewee. So I was in Peewee. No one, no one else in my on my team remotely could have even close to done this, but I pulled it off. Uh, and a couple of my buddies, because I was with them, I, again, I, I was at the last going off in peewee hockey, I was six foot. So for that year, I was, you know, 5'10 to six foot, 170 to 180, around, around there. So I was big enough to pull it off. But what I would do was put Vaseline all over my face, oh, and then I would, put, I would sprinkle pepper on it. <laughs> so... It looked like the stubble. <laughs> the first time I did this, I mean, I mean this, I, the first time I did this, we were at the Quebec Pee Wee Hockey Tournament, and I was rated number one. There was an article in the paper. It was all kind of like, and you know, like, because I was at that tournament two years in a row, and the Mount Pearl Blades, one of the perks about playing in Mount Pearl is that you, if you made the All-Star team, you'd get to go on a trip. And that's big when you're an island and you're isolated, right? Yeah. yeah. You want to go on that trip. So if, if you, you know, you could, you could be on equally as good of a team, the same level from, say, Gander, but they don't just automatically, they'll play here and they'll play locally. You know, I'm not saying that there's no hockey. I'm just mean to go on a trip that you get on a plane and you go to a tournament. So that was always attractive in Mount Pearl. And for like years and years, I don't think they still do, but they went to the Quebec Pee Wee tournament. So, and that's, for those who don't know, the biggest Pee Wee tournament in the world. I think it's yeah, we both played in it. Oh, there you go. It's one of the yeah, best we minor the hockey tournaments, like 150. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I definitely wasn't ranked number one, though. Well, the first year I wasn't, so you know how you know that you know what it appears. So when I went up my first year, again, 
it's just normal. You get a game at the Colisee. We're an international B. If you mm. lose, you play in the mall or wherever you're going to play. Like, <laughs> you know. so unreal. <laughs> but as long as yes, as long as you win, you keep going. So the first year, I don't know. I think we we won one and then we lost and whatever. It was very. It was it was a nice time. There was maybe a couple hundred people at the game walking around, you know, trading pins. Uh, hockey cards were bit. It, it was that kind of thing. Like I don't. Did you care about that though? Did you care about the pins? I got a ton of them. I still do. Yeah, I got a ton of them. <laughs> um, I got a whole towel full of them. Um, I should have, if had I known. Well, maybe next time I come out. Um, there we go. But um, yeah, so and uh, two hundred would be low. There's always, you know, good say, There's always a thousand or two walking around and stuff, milling around, and so it was probably that. But there were, you know, you could while the game was going on. I remember like. There's so much going on at the Quebec PV2. You can almost hear people talking. They're not necessarily there to see Halifax or St. John's or Mount Pearl. They're just at the rink, right, to see a series of games that's going to happen all day. Yeah. So, but then the second year we went back, and I noticed it. We, we skated out, and there was more than normal. There was 25. Again, I was ripping it up here. I don't know what other parts of Canada. It's not. There was no internet, right? There might have been an article. There might have been something on TV in Halifax. I have no idea. But, but people, you didn't know, so. When the Mount Pearl Blades came out to start that, we played a, a, a team in France. I can't remember their name. But anyway, there was about 3,000 people there, and they were sitting low down, and they were looking. And then as I went out, I was signing autographs, and boys were like, what's going on? I was like, is this a joke? Like, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I swear, that's, that's how defeatist our mental attitude was. Like We're like, we can't be. We're from Newfoundland. It's changed now, and lots of Again, at the time, there was nobody in the NHL. Nobody for like a decade from Newfoundland. It was completely... It was absolutely impossible in my mind. So we won and we beat this team. But I mean, I'm looking at them. I'm going, you know, they're not as good as half the teams we play at home. And we creamed them like eight to one. But I had six. So then, but again, I'm, I'm just coming off going, well, they sucked. They did suck. There are teams there that suck. You know, like back here, we, we, we crushed the only flip. But there were the odd team and there was the odd player. Ryan Walsh, Kurt Walsh come to mind, uh, you know, went to junior and had 40 or 50 goals. Kirk got drafted to Buffalo. There were players around that, you know, might give us a game here and there. But generally, I think we went undefeated that year. But, you know, this team we played in France was way worse than half the league back here. So I'm going, I still didn't believe that anybody wanted to come and see me score six goals against a shit competition. So I'm like, well, and I know that some, I've been at home here and like played a couple of midget AAA games that were tough. And I'm like, okay. Now I can see if people want to come see me play that uh, as a peewee. But why would anybody? So then the next game we come out and we win again. Like, I mean, this, this is a team in Switzerland. And this time it's like 10 to 2. And again, I get like another 8. Jesus. So, yeah, but again, there's no hitting. And again, we're going to this big ice surface. I wasn't used to playing in an NHL rink. Mm. But here at the time, the rinks I was playing in was a little bit smaller surface. So when you saw the Quebec rink for the first time, you're like, oh, boy. now Well, yeah, right? Because, again, I'm huge. I, yeah. if, 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 four years later, I would have to bring hitting in and, and fighting and go to the net hard. And there was a completely different element to my game. But, you know, and I, I became slightly bigger than average. But at that time, there was no hitting, and I was huge, and I was a good player anyway. So half of these goals I'm telling you about is just getting into my own end and going down around the boards and just putting it in the net. I mean, but when you're that it. much bigger, like yeah. even if kids try no strength than you, they can't. You're just barreling through people, not and even they knowing. They can't hit me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and I knew it. I knew it anyway. Like that year, looking back, it probably would have been a good idea to play Bantam, but whatever. Um, it worked out. But that's what I'm saying. So, uh, I, I, I my game would have to change but at that time i certainly didn't see it and i I just didn't believe still 
that I was the prospect. I don't know why. I mean, my, my mind, must, I must have had no confidence, but, you know, I had to gain that. Now, once we came back home, a guy, I swear to you, I still didn't think anything. And before we were getting on the plane, there's a guy there from the Vancouver Super Series. It's a hockey tournament at the time. I don't know if it still is. And it's all the best athletes or hockey players in Northwest USA, in Canada, team like BC, uh, all-star team from Vancouver on top of that. Then you had team Manitoba, Northwest USA, all-stars. So, but they asked me to go out and play for Vancouver. Now, my dad looked at, he said, if you're this good here, and he said, like, Kurt Walsh, again, I just mentioned him. Kurt went, ended up going in the third round a few years later. He's a cop in Halifax now. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, he is. Uh, and there was a couple more. And, and they were, you know, Danny Cleary. Jesus, what am I saying? Danny Cleary, Harold Drukin. <laughs> played 125. Like, these guys were here. And no one really, Michael Ryder. No one really knew about them. This is pre-internet. Like, that's why. It's weird. So dad's like, rather than you go play for Vancouver, why don't we take a team from Newfoundland out and get all the boys noticed? And I was like, Jesus, that sounds great. And now, now it happens all the time. It was the first traveling all, all-star team, you know, bantam age, triple A kind of all-star team at the time from the province. And actually I'm, I'm born in 77, but the group born in 76, they were a little bit um, in his mind, a little bit more to, and he said, you can play on that team anyway. So we'll put you out with the 76s. So we went out and 10 guys off our team, Ended up going to, at the very least, Junior A. A couple went to college. A couple guys went to the OHL. So, and then it opened the door. Then people are going, Jesus. So it's not just this guy that went to Quebec Pee Wee Tournament like a mammoth scoring all these goals. <laughs> like, he's going back there, and there's peers of his that are good. Yes. I'm not kidding you. And, and so, and it opened the door. And then, of course, uh, Tri-Cities were out there and said, if you move out west, we'll draft you. And I'm not kidding you. I went out, I was 14 years old, the youngest junior player in Canada, and Mike Barnett, Wayne Gretzky's agent, came to my house, came to my door, knocked on it, and said, I'm going to make you the youngest player we've ever signed. I've, to this point, it's been Radic Bank, and he's a year older than me, so we just signed him, though. We signed you, and you know what my father said, I swear to you. The first thing my dad said was that, he goes, thanks, Mike. He goes, if you think Terry's good, you've got to go to Harbor Grace, Newfoundland, and check out this kid, Daniel Cleary. I swear to you. And wow. Danny's from a little tiny riverhead. I mean, Harbor Grace is small. This is a section of Harbor Grace, like two streets yeah. uh, off in the middle of nowhere. I mean that endearingly. They chose it. It's, it's, not, it's not like rough part of town off in the middle of nowhere. It's like the family enjoyed living uh, out in the country kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's, I, I don't even know if that answered your question. I just elaborated. I thought we were talking about you sneaking into the bar, putting pepper on your See? face, and then it switched. Exactly. The next tournament. Yeah. Whatever. It's and okay. that's my style. That's my style. <laughs> so um, at the age of 14, you literally had experience more than most people will ever, ever experience in their hockey career. How did you, like, I don't even know if you did because I didn't know you back then, but how did you maintain, like, a level head through all this? Because if the all the eyes are on you, it's, I mean, you know, it gets it's easy. Great, some shit. It's a great question. I was real, real fortunate to go. It was teammates. I look back, you know, sometimes you take, you, you've got to look at sports and, and it's not always winning and losing. That's a cliche, mm -hmm. but I went to Quinnell. They were the basement dwellers of the league. A lot of cast offs went there and all they wanted to do was have me succeed. They couldn't believe that this situation was happening. Um, they were, they were humble guys that were happy to make a junior team, and we all got better. 
We, we, we all, and we made the playoffs. It was the first time in a while. It was just, Cornell was one of those teams. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, it's weird because I, I had two years of Bantam to play, right? So, yeah, I go out. I didn't expect to play junior. So I played that year, the first year in Cornell, and it was um, 91, 92. And uh, so I was playing, uh, yeah, and, and the junior team was the first year Bantam. When my second year Bantam, I still couldn't go to Tri-Cities because I'm 15. So I went to Vernon at first, and Vernon had won the Centennial Cup at the time. Now I think it's the Royal Bank Freight, whatever it's called, the Junior A. So they'd won, and I went there, and it was completely different. A lot of their guys, you know, they wanted to get a college scholarship, and they saw me as bumping them off the team. They were, uh, it, and they, there was the beast. There was two Junior A leagues in Cornell, I, the Cornell or in BC. Cornell was in the Rocky Mountain Junior Hockey League, mm -hmm. and the BCJ is where Vernon were, and they were a bit better. Ours was ours was real tough, real tough, and and like there was a few Western leaguers that can, all all tough guys. Uh, Jason Weimer wasn't a tough tough. I, I mean tough players, um, and it was just rough around the edges. I don't know if the Rocky Mountain League ever beat them. They, I think Prince George took them two games, six games one year. But anyway, it was a it was a better league scoring finesse wise. Uh, but I went there and I had you can look it up. I, people at the time think that. I think I got cut, but I left on my own volition. I was leading the team in scoring. I had, I had 11 points in nine games as a second-year Bantam in Vernon, and they were treating me like shit, to be honest. There was a couple of good guys, but I just said, you know what? Go, go fuck yourself, really. I, yeah. I, I didn't need it. I said, I know where I'm going anyway. I know I'm going to Tri-Cities. You guys can do what you want. And I was, I guess, taking a spot away, but I mean, you want the team to be good or you want everybody to fucking get a participation ribbon? Well, that's <laughs> what I was down to. So. You know what I mean? And so I said, fuck <laughs> it. I went back to Cornell. And I uh, loved it. I ended up leading Quinnell again in scoring, and the boys rallied behind me. At this point, uh, you know, they knew I was going to Tri-Cities. They, they knew that I, I was with Wayne Gretzky's agent, and they totally embraced it. And, you know, same thing. I went to Tri-Cities. My captain was Todd Klaassen. God rest his soul. He died our, our, my second year going back to camp, driving down to camp, if you can believe it. He went Jeez. off the road. And, yeah, it's a long story, but he was just a great guy. Third-round pick to uh, Pittsburgh. Awesome guy, Todd Klaassen. Damon Lankow, Lanks is humble. Like we went in there, me and Lankow, Damon Lankow and I got drafted fifth and eighth. Okay, in the at the beginning of the year, I don't even know if we were ranked in the first three rounds. Like you know, he came out of nowhere. At least I was rated high going in. You know, so again, he's a humble guy. So I, I didn't come across anybody in my formative years. And then I went to the Montreal Canadiens, where you have to be. They'll run you out of town if you don't have a good attitude. Yeah. So I think that's it. You know, I was always around these leaders that, and it, man, it's a crapshoot. Looking back, I could have been influenced. I know players that I, that did, you know, I just happened to go with these players that were really grounded and influenced me in the best possible way. And, uh, you know, just blue collar, good people in Cornell. And then by extension, Tri-Cities, Tri guys, is, it's in, it was a new team at the time, fairly new, like within five years. It's in the desert. It's south of Spokane. It's in a um, it, west, east of southeast of uh, Seattle, um, northeast of Portland, and it's just in this little area. And there's there's it's it's a desert. So fans were just pumped to have this. It was a novelty to have hockey. Now I got traded my last year junior to Red Deer. Okay, now it's hockey. Like they, yeah. it's two different things. People are like, where did you like playing? Well, Red Deer, they'd call you out if you made a bad play on a re on three on two. Tri Cities, a lot of them didn't know what offsides were. They <laughs> right. 
but they were they great and dear, <laughs> great people, great people, right? They were getting to know the game with. So the Tri City would like. Well, I I posted a thing today, and on, 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 you'll see on my on my Instagram live or, or no, IGTV, whatever. My latest post on Instagram. You watch the fans go mad. It's Game Seven against Spokane, and hockey's just new. And you know, I would go crazy. So I do the Superman, but I would I would go crazy after goals, and people would come down. I'm not kidding you now. We all had booster buddies, right? We had booster yeah. buddies. And there was this one girl, Sylvia, and she would buy us suits. And, and all our booster buddies gave us these big uh, scrapbooks. I'm going to put more out there. I put a little bit last week on my Instagram. But I, I can't, like every single article, every picture, all documented, given to us. My first year there, I'm not kidding you, my billet buddy gave me a car, a Dodge Lancer, $2,000. I didn't have a car to get around. Tri-Cities is really spread out. I don't know if there's an elevator in Tri-Cities, about as big as St. John's, but I don't know if there's an elevator. It's that kind of place. Really spread out. Real, 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 real nice people. And I loved my time there. It just felt like another planet because, yeah. like, you know, Canada was – you know, a lot of people didn't know much about Canada, let alone Newfoundland. My, my, so, my geography teacher, my geography slash social studies teacher told me I spoke English really well for, for being from Newfoundland. I, I think he thought I'm in a new part of Finland or something. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wow, your English isn't even broken. Yeah, it was just incredible. I went along with it, of course. Did you skip midget and all that shit all together? You just went right from Pee Wee right to the junior. The only yeah, Pee Wee to junior. The only games I never, the only games Bantam I played was that tournament I told you about. You in yeah. the summer, I took that Bantam Geo team or the All Star Newfoundland team, and then while I was in Cornell playing junior, uh, the midget team actually for a place like Cornell that's northern BC, small about ten thousand people roughly. Wow. Um, they did have a couple of great players on that junior team. Bobby Needham got a scholarship to Colorado, uh, Curtis Fenton, Kurt Lowe, and the guy Ryan Marsh. So there was a couple of us on the junior team, myself and that guy I just mentioned, Ryan Marsh. Uh, did, did they? I mean, we all, we, cho- we, we went to two, two or three tournaments with them and strengthened them. And we ended, up, we ended up losing in the semifinal of the provincial, which was huge. For, we lost to Kamloops in overtime, which was massive for Quinnell. I mean, you know. Massive, massive. So that was a bit of fun. I wouldn't have gone out there just to play midget, uh, but I, I shouldn't say that. Once I was there and I knew I could play junior, I had no interest in it. I loved, first of all, that I could fit in. I loved the fact, I, I know people hate, but I loved the fact that I could create room by fighting. There was always a level of midget, even though I was still playing two and three years above my you know, I was still 14 playing with 16, 17-year-olds in midget. Yeah. But those, some of those 16, 17-year-olds were chicken shits that would still spear you. And they wouldn't, you know, it's a completely different game when that cage comes off. Well, that was my question. Did they, did they yeah. mention anything about wearing a visor? Like, you're 14 years old. Obviously, nowadays, that wouldn't fly. Did they mention anything about it? Or there's like, yeah, 14-year-old wear a visor. No worries. At that time, I was just, if I played a midget game, I had to wear a cage. And if I was allowed, no, they didn't say anything. I was, no. I remember being a bit of a thing at first, but. My dad signed a consent form, and I told him, I'm like, Dad, I don't want a fucking cage. Like, you want, no, you want to get no. beat up at school? Do you want you really? <laughs> yeah. You think it's bad enough with these zits and everything else? I'm like, I, no, and I want a short visor. I want to, and that's half the thing with me. I wanted to, so I, I tell the story often. I, I, I got shit kicked the first day, but it was a bit of an acceptance. Then I came back, and I, I was going to win my next fight. I didn't care what was going to happen. I was going to win it, and... Lo and behold, that's, I'm sure you guys have heard the hot sauce story, right? So, no, what's the hot sauce story? Well, so anyway, um, 
Yeah, so to, to finish that first question, yeah, it's, uh, Midget was a novelty to me. Even though they were a little bit older, though, like I, once, I, once I could play with that visor on, and we were allowed to push it way up, it was like playing with no visor, I really loved that freedom. And I liked, even though I might get beat up, I liked the fact that if I went in front of the net and just fought the defenseman, next time I'd get room, and I found out a way to score without having to be finesse. And that's the way the Western League was. Uh, if you did not go in front of the net with Brendan Witt, I don't care how good you were, you had to you, you you were never going to score you could be there was guys like that i watched come through that were more talented than me but if you don't go to the cage and back then it was more so so i and i loved that about junior um, yeah and let's be real the junior lifestyle is is second to none you know once you get a little love bit of taste of that that's all you want and you're all and you're, you're all learning that it's, it's all new you know now i'm playing senior i've been doing it for years and you know guys in their 20s playing pro but when you're playing junior, then all that rush is new. You know, yeah. that whole, mm. everything's going on and you got so many other things. And you know, you're, you're on the bus, you're on the hotel, school, you're signing autographs yeah. with the boys, you're gaining some freedom, right? You're living yeah. on your own. There's so much that goes into that being, I just loved it. Um, but anyway, yeah, you're going to match. So that Cornell thing. So the first game out in Cornell, um, I went to take the face off and playing against Williams Lake Mustangs. Again, I've never thrown a hit. I just went through, <laughs> I went through Cornell camp and there was hitting. But they all knew I was 14. And some, even though, I'm not going to say there wasn't competition when I first went to Cornell. I don't know if they were all pumped that some guy was just coming in from Newfoundland. And I, Peewee, I think, I think what they thought, I think what they thought, in fact, I know they did. They thought that I, you know, wait till this kid actually sees what BC hockey's like. He's playing Peewee. It's not only was I playing Peewee. There was, there was a something associated with newfoundland you know it's smaller it's over it's, it's downtrodden it's on the other side of canada again the inter, the internet really changed a lot of that and in the, in the 2000s we had a lot of tourism you know commercials and things and really and you know now now it's completely different but at the time just saying it it, it was almost people were almost subconsciously racist is the wrong word but you know they, they shunned newfoundland in a lot of ways so judgmental they were judgmental. That's exactly. Get the marbles out of your mouth, Terry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, there was that. There was that. And I, I knew I had to fit in. If I wanted to stay, I had to fit in. And I mean this 100%. This story is going to sound funny. It is funny, but there was absolutely no level of humor at the time. I wasn't doing it to be funny. No comedy. I was doing it because... I, I would look in the mirror because I was terrified. I wanted to come back here. I didn't want to be out there. I wanted to come back here and get 10 goals a game in the, well, five <laughs> goals a game. Let's not be in, in the high school, whatever, you know, I was coming back. I was going to be a big fish in high school and, you know, finally get laid by someone. I was just going to say, get yeah, all, that's all you're thinking you know, of. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Right. And, you know, finally have a little bit of freedom, wear my O'Donnell Patriots jacket. So I was just waiting to do that. And, and anyway, I'm out there and, you know, the team I'm playing on, these guys are, just on a different planet than I'm on socially, but that's it. So we go out and we're, we're warming up and I'm kind of nervous and uh, kind of would be an, an understatement, but I, I didn't expect to be as nervous. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm nearly hyperventilating nervous and I didn't want wow. to be. So I go on the ice and I go to take the face off in the start of the first game and the whole, the anthem's playing and our helmets are off and I'm looking up and, Oh man, like I vividly, vividly, I just could not believe 
the situation I was in. I just couldn't. I'm, I'm a anthem. If there's one thing I remember about the first half of the year in Cornell, it's the anthem the first game. And looking at the place, and this is only exhibition. Cornell has not much to do either, so they'll pack the house. As long as there's going to be a fight, we don't care. <laughs> so I was taking the face off, and a guy looks at me, he goes, you're from Newfoundland, eh? I go, yeah, and he starts chewing the gum. He goes, good luck. And as soon as the puck drops, he cross-checks me right in the face. Oh. And I'm going, oh, I didn't see it coming. I was serious. I'm like, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, and boom. So <laughs> then, thank I you. Get up, I get up. I'm going, oh, my God. I'm, I'm trying to gather myself. There's blood now all over my visor, and it's a Donnybrook. <laughs> the whole place is going. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's all five guys on the ice. Like, and, and this, again, rest, the Western League was rough enough. This is like junior this is they called it the jungle it wasn't junior b jungle this is what they called it in quinnell or in, out there the rocky hockey man rocky hockey yeah, Love it. Just, just the name intimidating. yeah rocky hockey so she's gone up now i'm going i, I get take, taken off the ice <laughs> i got blood all over my visor i actually like i can't believe because it didn't hurt i remember i remember thinking like i didn't even realize i got punched i'm like that didn't hurt at all adrenaline's going yeah exactly so then I went in the, and, you know, the boys came in and I had a beer in the dressing room. Dad was there. He was looking, looking at me like a hawk, but it, you know, everybody, you, even though it was crazy days in junior A, if you fought, you get kicked out. You, you didn't get suspended, but you, you, you weren't allowed to oh, fight. Yeah? Okay. yeah. In the Western hockey league, you were but not in junior A. So, um, it, we all got thrown out. So we're in there and we're drinking a beer. Uh, anyway, the boys are drinking a beer and they passed me over when I looked up at dad and I was like, you know, th this is this is as much part of my this is part of my coming of age here is to have this beer. I said it without saying it, of course, but he knew. So I had a beer. I might had two or three, and then I thought about it, and you know, because now I'm I, I remember like get, getting a slight buzz on. I didn't even know what a buzz was like, really. I mean, I did back here here and there. Which is I'm, I'm always like cheating the rules. That. This was like really having a beer in front of people that are accepting it. Yeah, adults like it was really weird. But I remember being so happy, and it took the edge off. And I was going like, fuck, man, booze, and I can see how this is easy to get used to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I Which it did, too. So, I know. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, like you would. That's why I needed good people around me, right? So, um, I said, that's it. So, the next weekend, we're playing Williams Lake again. I don't remember if there was a game in between, but I don't think so. And I've called people. I put this story in my book, so I... I off, I, I've called and done my homework, and this is the best as I remember it. It's going to sound really vivid, but I told this story a thousand times, and I called everybody involved to make sure that this went down the right way. So this is going to sound like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Uh, I'm unfortunately not. So we got up for breakfast. I called Chris Spencer and Ash, or Ashley Fennell, yes. And um, we went. They, I, I told them I was really nervous because I knew in my own head I was going to fight one of their now, I thought his name was Adam Scott. I don't think it was though. So for years, I said that the guys on Williams Lake will know. So, it, let's just say, you know, tough guy number one, tough guy number one. He was a really, really big guy, and this is exhibition. So there was six or seven different um, guys there, kind of auditioning, and he, he was a bit of both. He was tough. He was tough. Uh, so, the guy that I knew that had cross-checked me, whatever, like I, I knew I wanted to go after him. So, again, I can't tell them because I know what they're going to do. They're going to take him out of the game first thing. Yeah. So I remember nearly getting in a fight when the day started. So, but the, the waiter comes over to me. We're at Denny's, I believe. We're at Denny's, I think. Yeah. And I ordered, like, say, because it says on the sign, any breakfast, any time. 
So I, I said, can I have um, uh, Egg McMuffin during the Ice Age? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, right, so. And, and I'd say, and <laughs> the funny thing is, I, I only, I said that because like, this was a bit that some comedian used to do. Like he used to do a joke like that. So it was just like, I wasn't trying to embarrass the guy. I was trying to be cool in front of a bunch of people. And it was on my mind because I'd just seen some VHS tape with a comedian <laughs> with the same kind of joke, whatever it was. So that's the only, really the only thing. It just popped into my head to say. Stupid to say. So the waiter got pissed off. Now he wants to fight me. It's that kind of town. And I'm going, no, I'm fucking around, man. Jesus Christ. So I'm terrified. I'm going, where am I? Can't make a joke at breakfast. <laughs> Spence is like, relax, relax, relax. Talks the guy down, everything. We go to the rink. And I'm like, now I'm, I don't sleep a wink in the afternoon. I am just wired, <laughs> wired. Like, I had to go play another junior game because it, it, each junior shift I'm going out there for takes, like, each time I go out on the ice, it's like when you're in grade five and you have to get up and give your first public speech. It's that the kind worst. of oh. it, it's the worst. And I'm going, oh, I'm not used to playing in front of fans on that level yet. Back here, of course, the Quebec Pee Wee tournament because I'm going to take it. I'm not even going to try and I'm going to get three goals. Right? <laughs> so this is completely different. Okay, so we got cut out there, but we're good to go now. It's going back. So you, you, you just finished breakfast. You almost got in a fight at Denny's. You're nervous. And you're yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm shit-faced. Or shit-faced. I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> shit scared shit scared so i go in there i'm just like i'm before the game i get there real early which is a habit i still and you're gonna laugh but even for a senior game i get there at like two o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon if i got no work or nothing um in pro it was just i i used to get real nervous so i often if i can't sleep which is most of the time i'll go in really early so i got there before everybody i knew exactly what i was going to do i thought about it I looked whenever I'm real, real, like it's gut check time. I look in the mirror and I make myself say it to myself in the eye. And I looked in there and what was about to happen, which you're going to hear. I told myself I was going to do it. I looked in the eye, myself in the eye and I made myself do it. I said, you're going to do this. You're going to fucking do this. You're going to do this. So I, the guys got to the rink. Sure enough, Chris Spencer, a couple guys are like, no, we're going to take them out. Just, you know, give us the nod in the third period. You generally played in the third period because you get kicked out, right? So, I'd, uh, anyway, I had my plan, so we played the first period, and it was pretty, pretty light. There wasn't much happening, but again, there was just major anxiety within my own brain, and I'd been embarrassed, basically. The other side of the coin was that it was a bullshit play. 14 or not, it was a bullshit play. So I went over to, by the bench, and I called, I was pretty sure, again, I don't know these guys either, so I was pretty sure which one hit me, but I mean, I will I just kind of went over and I said, you know, you want to go? No, 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 no. And I was calling two or three of them off the bench. I was pretty, and anyway, so this one dude stands up. I said, oh, really? You want to do it now? Do you? I said, let's go. No, 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 you're 14. I said, it didn't fucking bother you last week. It didn't bother you last week. So anyway, he ends up coming on, not, not, not like jumping over the boards as I'm taunting him, but he came on for the face-off. I'm there. So I just say to him, I remember saying, you know, because he was taller than me. I said, if you, you, you're probably too chicken shit to let me get in close on you. Because no, I didn't want him. I, I'm going to go toe to toe, as was my style. But I, I, I didn't really know my style yet. But I'm, I'm not fighting this guy to wrestle him. I'm fighting yeah. to fight him. But I know that if he puts me way out being like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I'm not going to come close. So, you know, you got to deal with those guys differently. Not that I knew it at the time. But anyway. So... He starts, so he, he, and I know what's going to happen. So he starts beating on me. So before the game, I took like a huge file 
and I chipped up my helmet and like a knife and a bunch of stuff. So I chipped it all up the outside of my helmet so that because I, I knew he was going to hit me. He, oh, I knew he was going to get punches in. Yeah, tricks so of the I, trade. So he's beating the shit out of his own hands. There's a local, <laughs> a local guy, Jason Helzel, told that story. He didn't tell me to do it. Jason's probably listening now. He's commented a lot on Facebook. He was a, a local killer back in the day. I don't think that I had aspirations to go to the NHL, and he was done junior when I just got there, but there was these local stories. He was like a Paul Bunyan type, Davy Crockett, right? Like, <laughs> Davy Crockett. You know, like, you know, you caught it, you think your fish was this big? He caught one this big. And it was <laughs> linked to my house. Like, it was just these stories. You'd be like, no, that didn't happen. But anyway, one thing he did do was chip up the outside of his helmet. And I'd heard those stories, right? It was almost like guys in the room trying to you know, tell stories to each other, the scariest guy in the league and everything. I made a mental note. So anyway, so this guy now beat the shit out of his hands and I knew that. So now I'm getting in and I'm like wrestling around with him and all of a sudden I pull out and I'm giving it to him. Now the fans cannot believe what's happening because now the word's out that I'm 14. It's a small town. I've been going for a week to QSS, the Quinnell Secondary School. I don't know if I've said a word to anybody. They're laughing at my accent. Like just a <laughs> completely different situation than I was in at home completely different and i mean like a less strict like newfoundland geez like i had to wear a uniform again i wasn't in any paid school no catholic school no private school i just like you knew not every school had a uniform half did and no you couldn't wear jeans you couldn't wear a hat in class you couldn't chew oh. gum ever we, i went out there it was a joke guys were like wearing their uh, jeans their hat and they were they were chewing like tobacco <laughs> in class and spitting it on the carpet like and rubbing their foot in it while class was going on and i'm like i, I think the teacher saw that it wouldn't even matter <laughs> oh man and they thought i was from the sticks right there, i'm going it was so opposite again i'm not saying quinella rednecks or sticks or we're, we're all isolated in some way i'm talking to you from a fucking island i get what they were but you know there was no internet they, they had no idea i was from st john's that had two hundred thousand people like no idea they had no idea I was in a movie theater. I was like, guys, you know, our movie theater got like 30 seats. There's one of them. Like, dude, you know, stop shitting on me being from Newfoundland. <laughs> right? Oh, you have a TV, Newf? Anyway. <laughs> that's what it was like, man. So, yeah, I was just, I went through a week of that schooling. Like, I, each day was getting worse. I wasn't fitting in more. I was going, holy shit, this is nuts. So, anyway, I, I just, I knew what I had to do, man. And I, uh, when I pulled out, and people are like, how did you do it? I came in, I got kicked out of the game, and I waited. I, I stood in, I had such a smile on my face, man, in the corner in my locker. I was pumped. And the boys came in after. They're like, how did you do it, Terry? How did you beat him up? Said, boys, when we were at the breakfast, when we were at the breakfast, there was hot sauce. I took the hot sauce with me from breakfast. I stole it, for lack of a better word. I took it to the rink. And before we went out, I went in and I put the plug in the sink. Right, I'll never forget it. Corey Chernichan was shaving and he stopped shaving and he went one way and I came in, shut the door and I put the hot sauce in right before we went out and I bathed my hands in the hot sauce. Oh. And I, uh, that's what I did. And I went on the ice and I caught myself a few times because you rub your face. I was like, fuck. Oh. At least Fuck. I knew what it was all about. So when I pulled out, that's why I wanted to get in close on him, right? Because I wanted to. So what, what, after he was punching the shit out of me and he beat up his knuckles, um, he did like he was, he was kind of 
grasping for air for lack of a bit and i was just rubbing in his face and i'm sure he didn't know what was happening that's where at least like (laughs) he had no idea what's happening i'm I'm sure he didn't and i just kicked the fucking shit out of him after that boom 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 and then we uh we all went out after so that i was pumped right to fit in so there's a in quenelle they drink at this place called the four by and it's out um it's just a little bit outside of town i'd grow to love this place but anyway so i went up there and it was again no one here like People would drink at like houses and stuff. You know, I, I, I saw what was going on. I went to some parties. I certainly wasn't experienced and I, I never really got shit faced yet. But when I was out there, like, yeah, it was just exactly what you'd picture. Small town to be like? I'm going to put this in the like small town Saturday night, the Hell Ketchum song. You know, I'm not, I, the only reason I don't want to, I don't want people in Quinell to get upset. No, I love it there. I'm from a fairly small place. I'm from Newfoundland. Obviously, I get you, but yeah, it's, it's, I hate using the word redneck, but it's, it's redneck kind of stuff. Redneck yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. You know, everybody got a truck. Every if you go to the bar, everybody, you know, most people have got steel toe boots on. I was just uh, gonna say, right? People are chewing while they're drinking. John Denver is gonna come on at some point. Um, there's probably gonna be a fight. Now, now, do I love them and do I go back all the time? I'm, I'm, I love that because I'm a little bit like that. I'm just saying that this is where the stereotypes. You know, you, if you were to, you know, it's not Letter Kenny, but. Close, you know, they're, close. Not, they're not stupid, and not that Letterkenny is. I'm just saying they're, they're, Letterkenny are playing on a stereotype that's really funny. Well, this is this is halfway there. This is Canadiana kind of thing, right? I love the people, but anyway, I'm way I'm way digressing. So the point is, we went to the four by, and so all the boys are there, and you know they're kind of pumped for me, and I'm just pumped uh, more than there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just loving it. So this girl comes up, and she, uh, you know her line so she was wheeling me she took oh. out a, a piece of gum and she goes uh, you, you want one of these i said what is it i meant well what kind of gum it was tried into something and she goes oh it's a sex pill and i was like oh you're taking a sex pill do you are you does that you know make you horny or whatever i didn't know what to say man <laughs> and she was like uh she goes yeah but i don't even really need it and then she just put one she put one finger out put it down inside my belt and like pulled me towards her so i was like perfect so i went with her. <laughs> perfect. Now, like perfect yeah perfect i'm gonna do this now again it's it's cold right it's you know whatever exhibition is so it's it's late september mm. this isn't an excuse then, for later in the story is it well no not so much you would figure you would figure i wouldn't be able to get it up but I, again i'd never been late so i went over it now i went over I, i'm saying i'm about you know it's a fire pit and, and a pretty hot like you know this a big fire pit um, and most cars are, and people are milling and there's like rocks around the fire pit and then there's a bit of grass, you know, I was probably 50 feet, uh, probably a hundred feet away from the last people kind of thing. But, you know, I could see it. There was, there was, the grass was there though. And, you know, it was a little bit dark where I was. So anyway, we, we, we went at it and then as she, so she went to put on the condom and she's getting on with dirty talk, like looking back, <laughs> like it was another 10 girls before. And, and I'm not saying that fucking year i'm not gonna i'm saying 10 more sexual experiences before anybody had the mouth that this girl had so it blew you know what i mean like you often grow into that but my first time was like you're a fucking (laughs) asshole kind of thing like you know hit me bitch like that kind of holy fuck calling me down to the dirt and everything i didn't know it was part of the game i kept stopping but anyway she's like no no keep it up you just call me an asshole because you are an asshole <laughs> it was just one of those she was a few years older than me um you're trying to be the nice guy <laughs> yeah she was a, she was just yeah it was some kinky thing I, 
I honestly don't remember the exact words. It was kinky, though. There was kinky talk going on. Okay, that, and I did, that was foreign. Just normal missionary sex was foreign to me. This was really foreign. But I knew that I was getting hard. I liked it. Whatever it was, I liked it. So she, she, I like she junior went, hockey. It's not that bad. It's just great. She goes to put on the condom, guys. So she, and I blow in the condom. Right so away. Now, now I'm like, oh, this can't be. Like, and I've waited like, you know, it's probably like my hundredth opportunity. Like, you know, over the last two years, every single time that I've gone anywhere, I'm thinking about sex, right? It's just one of the, you know, that time of your life. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, like it's finally happening. I'm right here. I'm looking at it. I've never seen the parting of the seas like this. I'm kneeling on the, <laughs> I've never seen this. And as she's doing it, she's, and I'm just so into it. I, I blow in and I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> but right, I'm still kind of hurt. So I, I put it on anyway. I'm like, I'm going to get laid. So I put on the condom. And I thrust myself inside her. So I actually, as I'm getting laid, I've already, it was the weirdest first time ever because oh. now, like, I, I couldn't be any further. Like, the, the least turned on I'm going to be is one second after you blow, right? So, like, <laughs> although I'm still pretty, but I'm just like, wow, weird. Like, it all happened already. How anticlimactic can this possibly be? <laughs> no I'm pun intended. Laid one second after. Like, the refractory period, I'm, I'm the furthest possible place away from where I should be wanting to get laid. I'm right, it just blew. But anyway, I said, fuck it. So I put it, I put it in and we, and we were going at it and she just kept up talking like that. And then she was like talking me through it. And oh, I, she, through I, it. I know what you did. I guess she could tell I blew. Like I was trying to keep it a secret. <laughs> she could tell by the way I jived around, I guess. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I, um, I end up finishing again, not maybe, probably three minutes later. That's how horny I was. Uh, I, I was the first uh, time. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, it was first time. And then, and then, oh God, yeah. So I haven't said her name. So anyway, so as I'm as I'm getting up, so I guess the boys can kind of see me. I told you I'm I'm kind of away from the light. In my in my view, the last view because I'm not looking over there anymore. I just looked up <laughs> before we sat down to make sure that I was out of sight. But anyway, so they were behind me, and a few of the guys let the, let the other people know. So as they all lined up their, their cars, like, I won't say every car there, and there was probably like 30 or 40, everybody in high school. People drive in Quinnell when they're like in grade nine. I crashed a car. Uh, I digressed for a second. Kurt Lowe, one of the guys I mentioned on the midget team. So I was there not a week. I'd never driven in my life. And I crashed his Trans Am, went off a road doing wheelies in the mud at the, at the four-by in an unrelated incident. Yeah, that's, that's Quinnell. That's Quinnell. So, anyway, yeah. It was like everybody drove to the four by, whether you were drunk, whether you were a kid, whatever. So <laughs> it was three or 30 or 40 cars lined up. And then, like, I guess the boys on my team took them over. So there was probably like nine or 10 behind me and in Unision after. So I stood up, my bare ass now pointing out towards them. I don't think anybody's looking. And when I do, I guess they were all like looking at the exact movements of this thing because they knew I was done and they all turned their lights on. Yes. Started chanting noof, noof, noof. <laughs> and as the light and as the lights came on, like other people at the prayer, like they started realizing what was happening. I it didn't take them long to figure it out. And they took my they took their hats and were like throwing them in the air. It, it was like a, a victory parade or something. And I was like, wow, like I'm gonna fucking love it. And there was the last that was the last that I really ever remember even considering coming home. I was just like, I'm and then after that I was the man. Right, like we went into class. They're like, "Who the fuck is this fourteen-year-old?" And I scored too. I scored. I'm not making that up. I fucking scored, man. I scored, and I was like, 
So I, I fucking you just couldn't wait to get to school the next day. You're like, oh, this, yeah, <laughs> scored twice. Go in front of these people. Just think of three times. They're like, who's this 14 year old coming out here? Now all of a sudden I'm going to school. Like that happened on like Friday night. I'm like Monday. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> 14 just beat the shit out of some fucking huge guy. Did you hear what I heard? He's crazy. He's crazy. Right. And then I all of a sudden I had a rep. Oh yeah, I got a rep now. <laughs> fuck everything. <laughs> he like shows up to school. He's not wearing the uniform. He just wears whatever he yeah, wants. Hey, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You never would have thought it. I couldn't. But I didn't think I was gonna stay. I mean, I I did the. I had the puck. You know, it was like first game in the NHL or whatever. Like you get it. I wasn't thinking do anything. You, they were. I was just hoping I could keep up with the play. That was it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, I was their leading scorer. So th- that's how much adapting happened in my mind over the course of that year. That's how good those people were. Not just the team either. The whole school, man. Like. They all embraced me. Like when I left, I, so I went grade 10 and 11 there. And again, I skipped the grade. It would have been grade 9 and 10, right? So they knew that too. And they really, they really embraced me. So my last year of high school, I had to go to, you know, do it in Tri-Cities, obviously. But I'll never, on the way out, on my last day walking out of Quinnell, I went and grabbed my shit out of the locker and, you know, gave a lot of people hugs and everything else because they knew I was leaving. And they were all going to graduate there. They had another year. I was done. Were you still so I was here? Walking. They let you take it. Uh, in Quinnell, they were, I look, QSS was again, rough around the edges, but some, I'm not saying they were any worse. You know, I don't think you could drink in school after school. If you, you know, at that time too, like if we were out walking around with a beer, they might tell you to put it away. It was a real meat and potatoes kind of place. I don't know if they, you know, it was just that kind of place. I won't say we were drinking at school. A lot of people would smoke dope outside the door. That wouldn't really happen here. Uh, not saying people don't smoke dope, but they were, they were stricter at the time. And again, the whole society is way more bubble wrap now. So it, it's all could be different. But on the way out of school, I remember that they, they, you know, someone grabbed the thing on the mic and, you know, they were on the, where the, you know, the speakers where they say the announcements at the beginning the of the podium. day, they were, they were announcing it out, out of that. No, no. I mean, just, I was walking down the hall and I just oh, heard about the speakers. Or the, the PA. Oh, PA. The okay. PA. Someone had gone in there and they were, you know, good luck to Terry. And, you know, as I was going out, everybody was cheering. It wasn't just me. There was a few of us that were, that were leaving school. They had like a ceremony for us down in the gym. Because, you know, I guess in towns like that, you know, it's one thing in Halifax, but there's so much going on in St. John's, I guess, on a junior B level. Let's say if you're in Toronto, there's so much. But if you're in Quinnell and, you know, so the, and Sheldon Surrey was there with me. So, like, they knew that. The, uh, Quinnell, when, you, when you're from a junior A town, you got to think like the locals, man. They attach themselves to these people, and they know that you're just a hub on the way somewhere. Yeah. And it must be, because it was hard on me, and, and it, it must have been hard on them, because, you know, all those stories, I'm telling you, they still had to embrace me, you know? And, you know, when I go back, man, the last time I went back, and, you know, I went into the bar, and there was a guy in there, and, and, and you know, he's good to see you again, Terry, and there's some other players, or, players some of his friends came over i didn't know him they were from cologne or something he went and he said terry you know the story of this kid and he told me he told the story i just told you must much more dressed up and you know he put his arms around and i couldn't even remember him and i was you know these are the people that really like they it, it's still relevant there like That's they're so proud they're awesome awesome people so when i say all those had i gone anywhere different it would have worked out different Oh yeah, I, went, absolutely. I, I kind of knocked them being small town, but that's the way I am. But I, you know, there is a funny stereotypical element to Quinnell. Yes, there is. Small towns are the best for hockey communities, man. Whether it's junior A, junior B, whatever. The smaller town it is, they're yeah, way they more crazy. Them. The fans are too. And if yeah. you get in trouble too, not a lot of people find out about it. Yeah, they just well, throw it under the rug. 
it's just yeah you're given you're you're likely to be more part of the community if yeah. you're playing a junior in a small town that's a good way to put it um speaking of junior cam russell's the gm here for halifax you fought cam russell is there any story on that? yeah um well there is there is actually a story to it um and in montreal i you know what i gotta tell you the show i gotta go in about 10 minutes um okay it's all right. Um, well, it's going to have to be all right. Um, <laughs> well, all you, 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 can't, you can't leave. We need you still. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I was called up. That was my last shift in the NHL. Um, was it? It was. Wow. I, you know, I, I could go way into the story and, and tell you the reason that I was pissed off. But no, let's just say, you know, but you're called up. I didn't expect to play that game. So, um, and myself and Dave Morissette, and he was a tough guy. He, that was actually the game. You Google right after this interview, Google Dave Morissette, Bob Probert. He's yeah. the only guy I ever saw cut Probert, and he did it right in front of me. He did Ooh. it right in front of me. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Probert, I thought, was the toughest ever, still do. Um, and some people, like Ty Domi, man, gave him unbelievable runs. And you could argue at times, you could always make an argument of it. I just never saw anybody pop him and, and like, stun him and cut him. But that was also the area that, you know, Moose agreed or, or admitted to doing steroids and you know people were starting to go from big to yeah. gigantic to are you kidding me right so um uh yeah so but anyway so I, I was sitting there i didn't expect to get a shift man so i'd been it was like the fourth game in a row that either i didn't play or i put on my gear and didn't get one shift and one of those games it was like five to one so and you get really down because i always thought like i don't know i probably got between 10 and 20 of those maybe and i was like why wouldn't you just put me on the ice? It's five to one with 30 seconds left. Like if I don't go on the ice, I don't even get a game played. I don't know why. And I still look back and Alan Vigneault was a nice guy. He really was. I, maybe he didn't notice and that's, but in multiple times I just didn't get it, but whatever I was getting a paycheck and I was in the NHL. So, um, and you know, at this point, honestly, I'd turned the page. I was in Montreal, but I was hoping I would get traded. And that's another story. You'll have to get the book or you'll have to have me on again to tell you that. But, um, in this particular story, I was just kind of laid back. It's weird. It got to the point that I'd sit on the bed. Like, it was like front row seats. Like, it, it was numbing. Yeah. To, when you, to go from the point, like my first, you know, even when I walked into the forum, was crazy. Um, now, by the third year, it was the Bell Center. But when, you know, to, to go to the point that you're just sitting on the bench and it's kind of numbing and, you know, you don't even notice anything, it's, it's just a weird thing. It's not bad or good. It's just how, how, how the human psyche can work. So I was up with Moose, and they were like, are you guys going to play? And I was honestly like, are they going to make, make me put on my gear? There's a chance I'll get out there. I'd always rather do that than not. But, you know, there was something to the, you know, not getting a shift, and I didn't think I would. And they might even have been honest. I can't remember. But I know that we were on a, on a run of not getting on the ice. And so I'm out there, whatever. So me and Moose are looking at each other. <laughs> Moose Morissette. Dave Morissette. So I, uh, we're playing the clock game, so we're looking and – Basically, we're betting 100 bucks per spin. So wherever the clock ends, like if it's 14.57 and I bet seven, then I win the money. So me and Moose are, and vice versa. So we're just playing that because we're bored. And again, we haven't gotten a shift in like, we haven't gotten a shift in weeks. So, <laughs> so I was thinking there's no way it's going to be the next shift. So, yeah, I'm going, okay, so we're just playing the clock game. And the first period ends, perfect. Now, the, when the first period ended, now I'm pretty sure, unless, unless there's eight suspensions or 
someone like three injuries, like the odds of me getting because no one's going to play you usually, usually after the first period, you, you might get one shift in the third period. But if you're, if you've gone an hour without moving your legs, you're likely not getting out there in the second. So anyway, the second period. So we're out there for the second and, um, I'm starving because again, you, I eat my pregame meal. A lot of hockey players like 12, one o'clock. So when you're, when you're, and I, I love playing like that on an empty stomach. And when you're mm. going and you're, you know, it just goes away. It's like ever have to really take a piss, but when you go out there on the ice, it goes away. Yeah. You're yeah. Like, what? Hold it a second ago. And I'm like, yeah, it's just like, it's all mental. So uh, anyway, I'm starving and I know I'm not getting out there. I'm fucking starving. So I look over at Brian. I can't remember his last name, but his, they call him Steamer. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I believe it was for the size of his wrench, but <laughs> I believe it was Steamer. Steamer. And um, so I look over at Steamer. I'm like, Steamer, he knew what I wanted. So I, I would somehow, and there was no glass behind you then, I remember. On the bench? A couple of years before me was when Patrick Waugh, well, before this, what I'm telling you, remember Patrick Waugh went off the ice? But yeah. Remember when he yelled at the owner? There was no glass there. Oh, yeah. So it, it was still in that kind of, yeah, yeah. it was still in that era. Yeah. So however it was, he used to get me hot dogs. So I, I snuck, now with the games on Hockey Night in Canada, but I knew how to sneak it, right? So I said, like, steamer, steamer. So he gives me the hot dog, right, <laughs> inside my glove. I'm looking up like this, right at the clock. I'm eating the hot dog. And in my, everybody had a Gatorade bottle. In my bottle, before I came out, I got ice and Coca-Cola, well, Pepsi at the time. So Pepsi. And I'm going, so I'm having the hot dog and the Pepsi. I'm watching an NHL game. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what everyone dreams of. And you're getting paid, too. So like, and I'm making like 4500 bucks that day. So Moose looks at me. And, you know, and, and, and we're shooting the shit. And Moose says, um. And as, as we are now, I'm, I'm, I ate the hot dog and I'm like, fucking, I'm, my eyes are starting to hurt. So I'm, I'm doing this one. I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, Moose, did you fuck around? Like, did you do something? Like, what's going on? Like, why am my eyes so hot? I can barely open it. <laughs> so he says, well, the boys, imagine this, another hot eye story. Um, he's like, the boys in warm up put a five, three, five in the top of your helmet. Didn't you notice it? <laughs> I'm like, no, like my time to shine was warm up. I'm never going to, the only way I'm skating on the NHL ice is warm up. I don't have my helmet on. Fucking I'm like, right. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't want to say like wheel women, like sound like that, but I'm, I'm making myself available to fans, to women, like whatever. <laughs> right. I got the flow going. Of course I didn't have my helmet on. I'm not going to get one shift in the NHL. I'm the only time anybody's going to see me out there today is in this fucking warm up. That's it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I went out there. I went hard, man. I was sniping top shelf. I was last. The only reason I wasn't the last one off is because Koivu and a couple more had that superstition. Yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. the last to go off before one of the veterans had like, you know, I'm at warm up here. I'm not getting out on the ice. Fucking so milking it. Let it go. I never wore my fucking helmet in warm up. You just snipe it on goalies in the warm up? Yeah, when I'm playing senior hockey in a couple of years, I'm not going to be able to do this. People are like, why didn't you wear a helmet anymore? There's a thousand reasons. Because I could. Because <laughs> I dream, could man. wear no helmet and warm up. That's why. Because it was dream. the NHL. Three-letter league starts with N. You don't have to wear your helmet and warm up. I'm going to fucking take that option. Thank you. <laughs> you, you didn't know so your anyway, helmet on played anyway. So. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Yeah, true. <laughs> fucking Moose goes, so I'm going, no. I didn't know that. And so my fucking eyes are killing me. So anyway. I wipe them all off and everything, and now I'm not kidding you. I was having a bout with my feet. No, you're not going to 
you hockey players would, I was getting lace bite. Now that gets worse when you don't play. So I knew at the game before I started to have to wear these bunga pads thing. I still wear them. Zach O'Brien out there. Shout out to Zach. He still uh, gets me wherever he plays pro. He gets me the bunga pads. Zach, we I need can't to play now without him. All because of this. All because of this three to four week span in Montreal in '98, '99. I still have to wear fucking bunga pads. So I was on the bench and I'm like, Moose. Oh my god, they're fucking killing me. I'm like, I can't even like. It's like they were bruised. So he goes, ah. Under your skates. He's, it's the fucking end of the second period. Like, we're not getting out there now for sure. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Don't say it. So I undo my skates. And now the period ends. So I'm like, okay, I don't even do them back up. I go in the room and I'm looking around like, there's no way we're going to on the ice. It's like, there's, and it's like two to one. So there's, or one to nothing or some shit. So, actually, you know what? <laughs> tell you exactly not that this is relevant to the story but it was after the, yeah so this was coming up on the end of the second period i just wanted i want as much truth in there because it's easy to forget little details mm. i know it was because i remember which way we we're facing yes so I, anyway i'm on the bench and my my feet are fucking killing me so the reason i went in the room was was to figure it out i went in the room and i said i gotta put something on these i gotta put a pad down there or something again i'm taking my time because i know i'm not going to get on the ice so that was the answer i went back out and i'm like fuck it and the trainer even knew i undid them um so i'm sitting there that's how confident everybody like no one even thought to alarm the coach like he's not getting out there anyway he might as well have <laughs> cement shoes on it doesn't matter so I was just sitting there, yeah, I was sitting back. So then Moose looks at me, he goes, what do you want to be when you get older after all this? And I, said, <laughs> I don't know, a doctor or a lawyer or something. I, I really don't know. I mean, that's what I'd want to be. Like, you know, I'd like to see how smart I could be. You know, I'd go for some degree. So I go, what would you be? And he says, an elephant hunter. And I'm like, a fucking elephant hunter. Like, what do you mean? Like, why? And why are you distracting me in the middle of this fucking game? Tell me this. this. What it was, you know, we were just getting these conversations. He goes, Well, where are the elephants going to hide? And he starts laughing. I'm like, What? <laughs> yeah, so that was his justification. The ele elephants would be really hard for an elephant to hide. So, you know, if you're an elephant hunter. So I'm thinking, like, I'm sitting there going, What in the fuck are you talking about? And as I'm laughing at him, as I'm laughing, I get the tap. Ryan McCleary, or Ryan Poulin and McCleary. And I'm like, geez, he's, he's inserting lines around because for most of the game, I believe Francois Grulot, who's a defenseman, is playing ahead of me and Moose up front. Like, we were like, extra, like, yeah, there's like a defenseman that's getting more time. So I'm thinking there's no way. Wait, at this time, are your skates tied or are they untied at the time? Un untied. The top rung is untied. Top rung. Just chilling. So he says that, and I'm going, holy fuck. Like, I, I, my eyes are itching out of my head. My skates are undone, and I'm thinking about fucking elephants. Like, there's... There's no, I don't, like, what, what the fuck is going on? So I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it was like a TV timeout or something. So I, drew, I did up only the top rung of my skates as fast as I could. Ideally, the face-off was in our zone. So ideally, we just win this face-off, and I get the fuck off the ice. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So I'm going on. I'm, and I remember going, at least it's a game played. If I can just make it to the bench, if I can just make it to the bench, I just get a game played in the NHL, 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 game played, game played. So that's all I was thinking. So I get out there, and there's a silence. Um. There's a. Everyone's like, who's that guy? Now, Moose had just, yeah, and Moose had just chirped too. Moose had just chirped Probert. I forgot. He was chirping him from the bench, and Probert turned around and he told me, he said, My rum and coke gets more ice than you. Um, and 
I'm sure it wasn't the first time he said that, but it made me, and I stood up on the bench. I should have said this earlier. It's been a while since I told the story, but anyway, so this has just happened after the elephants and all that, or before that. Yeah, this is fucking Probert's there. And he tells me that. And I stood up on the bench. I said, I didn't say that. Dave Moore said that. I swear to fuck. <laughs> I said, I'm, I don't have a death wish. I looked at the guys on the bench. I'm like, you saw me fight Domi and everything. It's all good. You know, I would, but I didn't say that. And I'm not crazy. So I just wanted to, so anyway, went out and there was pure silence now we're on the ice and i'm fucking just thinking let's get the fuck off and even in an nhl arena it's funny but there's this sense of there's a silence for like three or four seconds right before the puck is dropped it's weird no one says anything it's almost instinctive you can be there could be Fifty thousand people at the game, but everybody on the ice you can hear for that one second. And he looks over at me from across the fucking face-off circle, and he goes, "Cam did," and he goes, "Hey Ryan, does your coach know you're out here?" <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I said, "Fuck this!" And so <laughs> I said, "I'll do this anyway." And it was a quick way off the ice, and so a skirmish happened behind the net, and I saw Russell, so I went right after him. Now. Probert came in to get me. I'm glad that didn't happen. And when you look at the highlight, it's on YouTube. You can kind of see that near. I didn't realize how close I was till recently watching this highlight so much. When it, yeah. um, um, <laughs> watching Probert because he like he's like a predator. He's like a shark circling the waters, and he nearly grabs me. Wow, wow, what a fucking shit kick! And I would have taken there. But anyway, now Russell was a killer. It was it was Probert, Russell, and Mark Jansons. And Mark Jansons was also a killer. He he didn't get talked he about says- enough. No one wanted to fight him. That's all. Like, he didn't get a whole lot of penalty minutes because no one wanted to fight him. It was like the uh, Darren Langdon at the end of his career. Like, you'd go, oh, Darren Langdon only had 80 penalty minutes. Yeah, because no one wanted to fuck around, man. Uh, <laughs> it's been guys like that. Um, uh, so, That's crazy. anyway, we had a good fucking tilt, man. And uh, we went over to the box. And Cam looked over and he said, ah, oh, good Maritimer, eh? I'm, I'm from uh, Maritimes as well. And we had a good chat. And then... Uh, ended up being my last shift. I mean, I didn't know it was going to be, but on the way off, I was looking. And so next to the penalty box, there was always, um, I think, I, I mean, I really don't, there was always good looking girls that honestly, I, I think they were strippers. I don't know if a lot of the guys went to the strippers and then Montreal's a place. Like if you're going to go to the strip club, I never was big into it. Cause I'm like, why would I, even then I was like, why would I spend money when I could just go into Thursdays and come out of there with somebody, you know, <laughs> spend money. You ever you go know, to one? I, I just, that was my thinking. I'm playing on the Montreal Canadiens. All I really got to do is walk down the street. No, um, not to be cocky, but, you know, 19, 20, 21, living in Montreal, it was a blast. I'm not knocking people. I'm just saying <laughs> I didn't go to the strip club much when I didn't have to. But these girls were like clearly, clearly some of them were strippers. So I think there were some of the boys giving them their tickets. Everybody got two tickets to a game. Yeah. But anyway, so I looked and I was looking over. And, you know, I'm like, this is, this is some NHL action I got. Like, the last time was, like, the year before or something. And I just – I wrote my – I asked the scorekeeper for a, a pen and paper. And I wrote my number down and tossed it right through the glass. At also, one that's of the how you do it. Her name was Heather. Yeah, her name was Heather. And I slipped it through. And, and to, be, to be honest with you, I went off. I jumped out of the penalty box, and I nearly fell on my fucking face because my, my skates weren't tied up all the way, like, great yet. I just – I was mesmerized. And – um. I didn't get another shift or nothing, but I went off, and sure enough, Heather did give me a call, and we had a good time. That's uh, all. Good so, for her. You know, technically, I guess I got in a fight, and I scored on my last NHL game. I didn't quite make the game sheet, but you did score. You got it. Now, with that, boys, <laughs> I got to take off. Terry, Fucking thank right, you very much, man. That was awesome.
Yeah, can't wait yeah to have no problem. We got, we got, we got, we didn't even really get past my second year of junior. Look at all yeah, the. We told one story that happened uh, midway, but yeah, there's like two. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know that's my fault, but I'll come back on. I got all kinds of time now. So all right, when we, when we come to Newfoundland, we'll give you a call. We need to pick up from the airport, so we'll give you a call. Sounds good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Terry, Boy, thanks again. All the best. Cheers. Take care, brother. Cheers. Do we have any Newfoundlanders here tonight? Try it again. Any new Philanders here tonight? There you go. I'm a Newfoundlander, born and bred, and I'll be one till I die. I'm proud to be an islander, here's a reason why. I'm free as the wind and the waves that wash the sand. There's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland. I spent some time in New York State and I nearly lost my mind. This city life's too fast for me, nobody has the time. Cement and steel and flashing lights was all that I could see. It may be good for New York State, but it's no damn good for me. I'm a Newfoundlander, born and bred, and I'll be one till I die. I'm proud to be an islander, here's the reason why. I'm free as the wind and the waves that wash the sand. There's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland. In Montreal, the Frenchmen say that they own Labrador, including Indian Harbor where me father fished before. But if they want to fight for her, I'll surely take a stand, and they'll regret the day they try to take our Newfoundland. I'm a Newfoundlander, born and bred, and I'll be one till I die. I'm proud to be an islander, here's the reason why. I'm free as the wind and the waves that wash the sand. There's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland. Now that the isle is on our shore, we better take the time to develop it more carefully or else we're gonna find what could have been the answer to a poor economy it changed our way of living and destroyed our fishery I'm a Newfoundlander born and bred and I'll be one till I die I'm proud to be an islander here's the reason why I'm free as the wind and the waves that wash the sand there's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland I'm a Newfoundlander born and bred and I'll be one till I die I'm proud to be an islander here's the reason why I'm free as the wind and the waves that wash the sand there's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland there's no place I would rather be than here in Newfoundland Woo! The Islander, thank you